Are you ready to be inspired, challenged, and strengthened in your faith walk? Are you ready to get breakthrough from those old cycles and thought patterns that you just can't seem to get freedom from? Then you've come to the right place. You are going to get freedom, you are going to get breakthrough, and you are going to get healing because that's the life that Jesus paid for. This podcast is not just talk. We're going to live it. I want to personally welcome you to my little podcast corner. My name is Jillian Ahonen, and I am so excited for what God's going to do through our time together today. Whether you're driving in traffic to work, out on a morning run, or sipping your coffee in a comfy chair, let's get our hearts ready for today's word. Good morning. I pray you are well today. I have a message that is burning in my heart that I believe is going to set so many people free from the cycles of sin in your life that you may be wrestling with, whether it's big sin, small sin, secret sin, outward sin, whatever it is, I want this message today to not just fill you with the truth according to the word of God, but to empower you with this truth that Jesus came to conquer all the work of the devil in my life and in yours. Not some, all. So guess what? You know what that means? It means we're going to stop blaming the devil when we fall into temptation and we fall into his traps because the Bible shows us that when we take ownership of our own lives and we understand where we have weak areas in our lives, we can't be tempted by the devil anymore. The devil is a liar. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's a master manipulator and he purposely sets up traps to lead us into a life of turmoil and sin. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy both you and me. But we need to stop blaming him and take ownership for the choices that we make in our lives that gives him permission to have a field day and gain ground in our lives. I'm just going to say it and I'm just going to be real. The devil didn't make you do it. Your old nature did. The one you're supposed to crucify. Before you shut me down, let's get real today, okay? I want you free. I used to buy into a lot of these beliefs and sayings that we have circulating in the church, and I've come to this empowering conclusion, actually, I should say empowering revelation that has set me up to push back the kingdom of darkness in my life and in the lives of others. You are not meant to live under what Jesus has given you authority to live above. In Luke 19, Jesus says this, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. So we have all the power and nothing will harm us. That authority that he gave to the 72 is the very same authority he's given to you and me. We are empowered through the Holy Spirit and no demonic forces can overtake us. So why does the enemy seem to have so much power in the life of a believer? To put it simply, we give it to him through what we believe. If we believe the devil can make us do it, if we believe that his traps actually have the ability and the power to lead us off course, to cause us to stumble, we've automatically put ourselves under submission to his strategies instead of full submission to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure you've heard so many of these sayings. I've heard them. I've used them. But things like the bigger the devil, the higher the level, or uh, the enemy only goes after you because he sees the call in your life. You know those kinds of sayings, right? 
These ideas are partially true, but sometimes we almost get this idea that his power is so great, we become defeated by him. Like we're just never going to be above and always below his scheming ways. Like I said, I believed some of these little explanations as to why I was experiencing the weight of warfare or destruction in my life. And I even found this like really weird comfort in these ideas like, oh, okay, that makes sense as to why I feel like he keeps gaining ground in my life. The devil is at work. But realize those ideas put you and me under his authority in many ways. And oftentimes we end up feeling weary by the warfare that we put ourselves under. I even bought into these ideas when I knew that I had full authority over the devil. I knew he needed to go in Jesus' name. I didn't question my authority. I didn't question the power of the name of Jesus. I believed I could cast out, stomp out, praise out, and pray out all demonic activity. But do you realize that if the focus is on what the devil is doing, we can actually fuel him, giving him permission to mess with us even more? Now, let me back up a minute, okay? Warfare is real. I see the work of the enemy in many lives, and I can even see when he's at work in the lives of my own family members. So we do need to become aware. We live in a battle zone. The battle zone is because we actually live on enemy territory. Did you know that? Did you know that the world we live in is actually the kingdom of darkness? It's his domain. This is why we say things like, we are foreigners, but our real home is in heaven. 1 Peter 2.11 calls us temporary residents and foreigners. And I'm just going to read it to you. It says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. I I want you to notice the key highlight. So it says that we are temporary residents and foreigners. And then there's a command behind it. It says, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about as I unpack all of this today is this idea that it's it's the it's worldly desires that need to be dealt with. That's inside of ourselves that are waging war against our very souls. Hold on to that idea. We're going to talk more about that later, but I want to go back to the fact that we are temporary residents and foreigners in this land, and we do live on enemy territory. There are many other scriptures that reveal to us that this world that we live in is controlled by the kingdom of darkness and to be in it, not of it. So yes, we will see the enemy at work, experience and feel some levels of warfare, and even discern the traps of the enemy he set up against us. The Bible says these battles we experience are not against flesh and blood. That's Ephesians. So I'm not saying the devil isn't real or he doesn't have any kind of ability. He is very real. He does carry a level of power. And just like I said in the beginning, he does hate you and I. He hates God's children. But as God's children, we we should not be so consumed by the battles that we feel or see that we end up crawling our way through life. There's no scripture in the Bible that tells us this is what it should look like. In fact, as you dive into scripture, you'll find the exact opposite. If you're not standing after the battle that you just went through, you went to battle without your armor. Look, it's right here, Ephesians 6, 12 through 13. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. 
There's nothing in this life, even the weapons that have been forged against us, that have more power than the power of the Holy Spirit in us. As God's children, we have to understand that the only power the devil gains in our lives is through what we give him, whether it's through a mindset and belief system or an open door of sin. I recently read an article about two very well-known TV evangelists and the scandal that was revealed about their life and affair. It took place like a long, it took place a long time ago, uh, but I just recently came across it. And as I read parts of the confession of one of them in particular, it actually ended up turning into a blame the devil for thinking he had her and, and how the leaders in the church need to stop pretending because they have struggles too. They're no different. She went on to talk about the life and pressure and how it got to her and the enemy was stealing everything from her. And on one end, you could read that and it sounds very inspirational and impactful. And you think, yeah, that's right. You expose that devil. His time's up. And honestly, if I heard this message years ago, I would I would probably jump right into that because there's a lot of things that she said that kind of sounded like very empowering and very relatable and and it and almost gives you like explanation as to some of the things that you may be wrestling through personally. But when I read it recently, that's not what I felt in the pit of my belly. And that's not what I saw between the lines. What I saw was that she was actually making herself the victim of the devil instead of taking full responsibility that she chose. And it wasn't the devil. It was her own sinful nature that enticed her into a lifestyle of sin and deception. I don't want to judge her heart. I think that these things that we've adopted in the church are just believable, and so we don't really address what they're actually doing. But it is a way to deflect so that people end up feeling sorry for the person who sinned instead of upset with the lifestyle choices. I mean, we're called to forgive, okay? So like I said, I am not judging the heart. I don't know where her heart's at. She may have genuinely humbled herself. That's not for me or anyone to judge, but this way of preaching is not leading us to take full responsibility for our own actions, even though it's widely accepted by the church. This could have been a way for her to protect the platform rather than people questioning whether or not we can trust her as a leader. She became and she made herself the victim in the devil's hands. And again, like I said, the devil is real, but you can't find any scriptures that says it's his fault when we fall. By doing this, she made herself the victim to the devil, and she said he made her blind. I'm going to challenge this idea for myself and for all of us today. How are we blind after we've been given sight? Jesus came so that the blind could see, and this includes ensuring that we stay out of deception to ourselves and to others. When we come into right standing with Jesus, our eyes are opened. We only become blind through pride and deception when we ourselves have areas in our lives that we haven't fully submitted to Jesus, and then our sinful nature entices us. Then we give in to temptation. The temptation gives way to sin, and then we end up deceiving ourselves to protect the sin we're trying to justify. And from there, the enemy can destroy us, he can destroy our families, anything he wants to. James 1, 14 through 16 says that each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. It doesn't say anywhere in these passages that the devil enticed the people. The only way the devil can tempt you or me is if he has access through areas in our lives and we can be enticed. 
crazy, right? Like we have to look at this stuff. We really need to humble our hearts and realize, whoa, I don't fall into patterns of sin because the enemy set up a trap against me. I fall into patterns of sin because I've got desires inside of me that have not been dealt with, that have not been humbled before the Lord, that have not been nailed to the cross. Satan knows our weak areas and he's going to use these weak areas to tempt us. But if they ain't weak, guess what? He can't get us through those traps that he once had set up to tempt us, right? I mean, think about it. If those areas are no longer weak areas, those traps that were once set up to trap us can't even tempt us anymore. They're not a weak area anymore. You see that? Jesus conquered sin and death. We always talk about the death, that we have this new life in Christ, and we look at it as like it's heaven. But the thing is, is Jesus came and conquered sin and death so that we ourselves can conquer sin as well. The cycle that this particular person found herself in, I believe, came from areas of pride. Maybe pride in her ministry, her abilities. I'm not sure, but when pride comes in, we block ourselves from grace. I talk about this in my book, Ripple Effect, that we literally cannot live by grace when we have pride operating in our lives. And I unpack it from a different perspective. I want to say stay focused on today's topic. But bottom line, when we are operating in pride in any areas of our lives, we're actually blocking ourselves from grace, the grace that empowers us to live by the spirit and resist the devil. How do I know this? How do I know she may have pride or any of us have pride and that's what's blocking us from living by grace? Well, it says in James 4, 5 through 7, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he's placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So right there, it says the spirit that God put in us is faithful and the grace he's given to us through humility is what empowers us to resist the devil. In other words, we don't fall into his traps of destruction. And then what happens? The devil flees. It doesn't say he works harder until you cave. It says he flees. And honestly, my personal experiences of actually humbling myself, getting filled with the grace that empowers me to resist the devil in times of temptation and he flees from me, I can testify that those areas that once were weak where the enemy had an in, they're not even there in my life anymore. He can't tempt me anymore. It's literally not there. I don't have the capability or the capacity to be tempted in those ways because I've taken those areas that I recognized that were weak inside of me and I humbled myself before the Lord. Boom, I get filled with a grace that empowers me to be transformed. And as I learn, you know, early on when I got face to face with those temptations and I resisted the temptation, the devil fleed, and he doesn't even come into those areas anymore. It's true. I can't explain it any other way. I just know I've lived it, and it's true, and I've seen other people live this out, and it's true for them. So guess what? The word of God is the truth that sets us free. The other thing she mentioned that I actually hear way too many people saying is that people on platforms are no different and have the same struggles. She actually went on, and now we do have struggles, okay, but that's not the framework she was coming from, so stay with me. She went on and called the church hypocritical, and she said, and it's time someone gets real. Obviously, she was talking about herself. To be honest, this need in the church for leaders to let their hair down, as she said, and be relatable instead of 
completely owning what they've chosen, not giving themselves any excuses or blaming anyone but themselves, is sending a message to the church at large that sin is normal in the life of a believer when the Bible says it shouldn't be anymore. These messages are costing us the revelation of truth that leads us to complete transformation, the transformation that should be taking place in all of us. It's keeping us stuck in our sinful ways when the Bible clearly tells us that we're called to get rid of the sin that weighs us down. If the leaders aren't calling themselves higher and instead preaching from a place of relatability, calling it humility, we've got a problem. I'm sorry, but those who've been given leadership position are actually called higher and will face serious judgment for how they live their secret lives. Of course, mercy is available, and of course, hearts can truly repent and change course. But let's not water down expectation and allow a permissive spirit to lessen God's standard. James 3.1 very clearly says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. There it is. Sorry to break the news to my fellow leaders in the church, but we are judged more strictly, so we better get our secret lives on track because it will be exposed at some point, whether it's in the here and now or the time of judgment. It will be exposed and we will be held accountable to our secret lives. These false ideas are watering down the truth. They sound good. They make us feel better about feeling bad. It feels less painful to blame the devil for our junk, but these ideas are not empowering us to live by the Spirit. They're actually subconsciously teaching us the power of the cross is not that powerful. This is scary and this is dangerous. This pattern of living and believing the enemy has the ability to lead us into sin is what many are getting stuck in and it's time to break the cycle. We need to call ourselves higher and recognize that we are not victims to the devil. The truth is, is we are weak because we are still living by the flesh and that's when the enemy has permission to work in our lives. Let's expose these belief systems that are not benefiting any of us. Let's take full responsibility and ownership and recognize where our sinful nature is enticing us, keeping us locked into patterns and behaviors that are not God-honoring, blocking us from living empowered by the Spirit and radically free. And I'm not coming from a place of higher than mighty. I am so thankful, and I believe it was just the grace of God in my life that really, really helped me understand these things in my life and really identify these things before he put me in an area of leadership. I'm so thankful I really took an honest evaluation of my own heart, and I still do. Okay, I am not perfect. I'm a work in progress. I'm not saying that I've arrived and things like that. We talked about what Paul has said before, and I just love those words. I'm not saying it like that. I'm just saying I don't have secrets in my life that I'm holding on to. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to continually expose the secret thoughts in my life that oppose him, where I might be harboring unforgiveness, where I have bitterness, where I might be talking badly about somebody behind their back and I shouldn't be. I am corrected on a regular basis and I'm totally willing to go before the Lord. I just, I, I'm really willing to take an honest evaluation and an honest look at my own life because I feel like I have absolutely no right to preach it if I'm not living it myself. But I do have a past, (laughs) and it's an ugly one. 
I've made so many poor choices. And I was actually one who believed that the devil was more powerful than me. And he had the ability to lead me off track all the way to the point where get this. I I was so headstrong in this idea that the enemy had the ability to lead me off the track of righteousness that when I read my Bible and it talked about the sinful nature enticing me, I was like, well, no, no way. That's not me. It's the enemy. He's tempting me. Like, I don't have that stuff in my life anymore. This is all the work of the devil. And because I gave him the power to entice me, I wasn't addressing the weak areas of my life that were still ruled by the flesh. And he continued to have an in because I believed he did. How did he have an in through a belief? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Simply put, if I believe it's the devil tempting me off track and that's my focus, I don't look at the areas in my own life that are not producing fruit, weak, and where I'm still living out of that old, born from Adam's sin nature that needs some crucifying. And the enemy was loving it. Because as long as I continue to believe he's my problem and I don't take a look at me, he can continue to set up the traps that I walk right into. Then I cast him out, break off the junk, think I've warfared him away only to fall right back into the pattern. And let me tell you, Some things that crept into my life after they were long gone and I was all in with Jesus to the point where I'm like, what the what? How am I back here? How did I, how did I fall into this? I already loved God. I was all in with him. I walked away from a worldly lifestyle. I was shocked when certain temptations became a struggle again. Yeah, the enemy knows when we're weak. And yes, he works to get us when we're down. But the truth is, We got to stop pointing the finger at the devil and point that finger right back at ourselves. We have to own up to the weak areas in our own lives that are costing us the ability to flee. There is nowhere in the Bible that will tell you that the devil has the ability to knock you off course or keep you stuck in a sin cycle. What the Bible will reveal to us is that we are new creations, set free, empowered by the Holy Spirit, no longer slaves to our flesh, with full authority over the enemy and all his schemes. And all the passages that I'm sharing with you today proves this to be true. And when you line yourself up with truth, you can't even be tempted anymore because you're radically free. If you want to be. Think about that. You already have that freedom available to you, but that's the key. You have to want it. You have to want this kind of freedom. And here's the truth bomb I'm going to drop today. Really listen to this, okay? I have worked with so many people, and I will tell you right now, I'm just going to be so straight and so real and so honest. The number one reason people are stuck in cycles of sin is because they really don't want to give up those areas. This is just the truth. We're family, okay? We can talk about these things. Let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's get to the root. (laughs) Or should I say, let's get to the weeds and face some inner truths in our hearts that we really don't want to admit or look at, but we need to get them out. We need to face them. The number one reason people are not looking like Jesus, even after decades of saying they are believers and followers of him, is not because they can't or because it's impossible and all these other things that we claim in our church communities like, oh, people are messy, we're all imperfect, but we're just loved, blah, blah, blah. Yes, we were once, but now we are free. Now we are empowered and filled with a grace to become like him. Stripping off the old, walking in the new, 
mirroring our Father in heaven. This is all Bible. Look it up. The real reason we're not becoming transformed and still stuck is because we are not wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, with all of our hearts, following him. Because there's areas in our lives that we just really don't want to give up. We like it. It feels good. Whatever the reason. It's our comfort. It's our idol. Whatever it is. There are parts of us and in us that we are just not willing to give up. And that is what's blocking our transformation, not the devil. It's the truth. And here's what happens. Rather than giving up sin, we look for loopholes. We buy into ideas that are not scriptural, all to justify our why. But the truth is, we're not giving up what Jesus says is wrong. And here's another thing that happens all the time in the body of Christ. And, and again, I, I could be equally as guilty, but God has really shown me these things. And I've really walked in this place of total submission and total surrender, really just sitting at the feet of Jesus, taking an honest evaluation of my own heart. But here's what happens. Okay, here's what happens a lot. How many times do you think, oh, I'm doing it. I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't do this. But you're ignoring maybe an attitude or you're ignoring a critical spirit inside of you or you're harboring unforgiveness or, you know, whatever. All of these things that the Bible talks about being a sin. And all of a sudden we look more like a Pharisee where we can maybe say the right thing and do the right thing, but inside we're not maturing and and, and we don't really look like our father in heaven. We look more like a Pharisee than a disciple. If you're saying, oh my gosh, I do some of these things. And some of these things that I've said today are revealing things in you that you've never looked at. Will you be honest with yourself today? Will you just be honest before the Lord? I want you to realize this is powerful, okay? Your willingness to be honest with the truth in your heart is your start point to freedom. Today is your day of freedom. Today is your day of turning point. Today is the day where you are going to take a good, honest look at your own heart and realize where you might be missing some things here and that's what's blocking you and that's why you have so much turmoil and that's why you're struggling and that's why these patterns won't leave your life. Okay, so it's not a bad thing. This isn't a message to condemn anybody. This is a message that empowers us to the freedom that Jesus paid for. Okay, so stay with me here. We have to address this reality that maybe, maybe our struggle is not because we can't overcome the sin. It's because we don't want to let certain things go. And that's why we're continually wrestling and frustrated. Basically, what's happening is we're fighting the flesh that we're still holding on to instead of crucifying it. Does that make sense? It's like we have these things in our lives and we want to hold on to them, yet we're trying to get rid of them, but we kind of like them. And the reality is, is the reason why it's still a wrestle is because we're not crucifying it. We're not telling ourselves no. We find somewhere that we just want to justify, find a loophole and say things like, well, I'm not Jesus. It's impossible. But then when we hold ourselves up to the word of God, we find scriptures that tell us the complete opposite. Are you getting a picture of what this looks like? Does this make sense? I hope I'm making sense. (laughs) This is a lot. This is a heavy topic, right? But we got to look at it. It's real. Now, let's say you are really, really sickened with the sin in your life. And you're actually, your struggle is not an unwillingness to let go. It's just you don't understand how to walk away from it completely and be totally free. 
Let's get a clear understanding of what we have access to so we can get our belief systems lined up with the full truth in order to experience that freedom, okay? No more watered down truth. Watered down truth does not set anyone free. It keeps us in bondage to our old nature. I'm going to share some passages in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, where Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Men shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand in the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Notice the Spirit led Jesus to be tempted. Jesus was fully flesh, weakened through a time of fasting, and the enemy enters into the scene. Jesus walked through this time of tempting to show us what it looks like to overcome the devil in our own lives. Jesus overcame the devil so we could. He paved the way for our victory. There's so much in these passages, but that's what I want to highlight today. Jesus came to earth fully man and paved the way for our complete and total victory over all the schemes of the devil. The Bible shows us that nothing we face on this side of heaven can overtake us. He will always give us a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. No temptation has the ability to take you down and God will always give you a way out. It doesn't say sometimes, it says always, but get this, you have to take the way out. The enemy does not have any rights to you. He is not more powerful unless you've given into temptation, but even still, all you need to do is humble yourself before God and recognize the areas that need to be crucified. Let's stop giving ourselves permission to do the wrong thing, taking advantage of God's grace and mercy and blaming the devil in the process. Romans shows us the contrast between living by the flesh versus living by the spirit and what it's supposed to look like. I strongly encourage you to take the time to understand what Paul is saying. Someone who could quote scripture but can never live up to them prior to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit can now testify what it's supposed to look like when we live by the Spirit. I'm going to read to you in Romans. Oh gosh, I'm going to read Romans. I think it's six. All right, I'm going to read Romans six, one through probably 11, okay? So this is, again, this is talking about how now we're empowered by the Spirit, that we're no longer slaves to sin, which also debunks this whole idea that the enemy has the ability to entice us into sin. We also buy into a lot of these ideas that we live by grace, and somewhere in our thinking and our preaching, we've decided that grace means that we're forgiven, that we're always going to miss it, we're always going to be imperfect. But the truth is, is grace is what empowers us to change and become more like Jesus. And so right here in Romans, it says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, 
how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ in his baptism, we joined in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin may lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead through the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. This is powerful. When we align our belief system up with truth, something breaks. The enemy loses the power that he once had access to in our lives through believing that he could actually tempt us. We're dead to it. What does that look like? What does it mean? Well, that means we line ourselves up with truth. When we find a weak area in our life, we start declaring what we have access to and we walk in that and we praise God for the victory and we turn and we resist the devil and he has to flee. There is nowhere in the Bible where we get to blame the devil. He does not get to have grounds in our lives or take us down without our permission. Every scripture that talks about sin shows us that it's through our flesh, through our own sinful desires that we stay bound. Scripture after scripture reveals to us that Satan only has the power through gained access by us. So let's stop giving him access through wrong belief systems and sin. Amen. It's time to walk in the true freedom that Jesus paid for and break those patterns in our lives by humbling ourselves before the Lord and getting our thinking lined up with what God says. It's time for our sinful nature, our old born from Adam self to get nailed to the cross so that our new spirit empowered life is the only life that's alive and the enemy will no longer have the power to take you down. Thank you for joining me today. I'm believing the Holy Spirit met you powerfully through this week's episode of Not Just Talk. Now for the real part. Let's take this conversation beyond talk and live it in our daily lives. Amen. Don't forget to check out my newly released book. I'm really excited. It's called Ripple Effect, a transformational journey into God's heart that will change you from the inside out. It's available now on your favorite online bookstore, Amazon, or you can order a signed copy direct through my website, jillianahonan.com. Also, did you know that we have a ministry app where you can receive direct notifications for everything we have going on beyond this weekly podcast? Just search Jillian Ahonan Ministries in your app store and download it for free. And please, I'd love to see your face on social media. Connect with me on my public Facebook page or on Instagram. I hang out there daily. Don't forget to subscribe and come back next week for another episode of Not Just Talk. Hugs and blessings, family.